Welcome to the I Believe Podcast, an Acure Insight production, brought to you by Castle Biosciences. I'm your host, Danae Peterson, a fellow ocular melanoma survivor. Here on the podcast, we'll be sharing information and insights on treatments, research, and living with ocular melanoma. I have Yvonne with me, and she is joining us to share her story, and I'm going to have her do that in just a sec. First, let me just go over some quick housekeeping things. Super easy stuff. Plug for our Insight Registry. If you have not filled out your personal information for the Insight Registry, just know that this is, as as far as Melody has explained, I believe it's encrypted or it's encoded somehow so that it becomes just like blanket information without your personal anything attached, like your name or anything. You can kind of like disguise all of that information. It just is a huge medical database that we are trying to put together with as many patients, their family members, just to create a link of history for ocular melanoma because the more data that doctors have to pull from around patients who have this disease, the better. So if you have not filled out the information or begun your Insight Registry profile, we would love for you to do that. That should be in the link in our bio and you can fill that out. Coming up, April 23rd, I believe, which you can register for on the website, is our Swing for Sight event. And this is uh, an event that we do yearly, and it's in California. So if you're near the West Coast and you want to attend, there are limited spots. You do have to register ahead of time, um, and we'd love for you to join us for the golf excursion and a wine tasting tour. So you're welcome to join in there if you can. The only other thing that I have is that if you guys are on social media, please continue sharing, utilizing posts, and just resharing those things for helping us spread awareness. And uh, we would love, of course, if you have a birthday coming up this month or next month, make sure to set your birthday fundraiser on Facebook to donate to a Cure Insight so that your friends and your loved ones can help to gather donations and awareness and research funds for a Cure Insight. Okay, we have a really amazing story here. I was reading through, and I'm not sure if you guys have had a chance to read through Yvonne's story yet, but she's here to talk about, I guess, what is really a rarity in the ocular melanoma world where she was diagnosed as a patient with brown eyes. She's definitely in the minority here because, as we know, the statistics say blue-eyed, light-colored-eyed, light-haired, typically, or, you know, just blue-eyed people tend to be the most popular patients who are diagnosed. So... Yvonne is here all the way from Alabama. So we have a few patients in Alabama. I'm sure lots of you guys know Ashley McCrary. There's a few, there's quite a few patients in the Alabama, the the southern area. But just to kind of give you a brief summary of her diagnosis, she was diagnosed in 2019 of December and she was told that she had choroidal melanoma and it was just at an eye exam. Big surprise. And she shared a beautifully written story. If you haven't read it yet, I would take the time on Facebook or Instagram, go read her story. And she volunteered to share her story here with us live. So we are happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here. So Yvonne, can you tell us a little bit of what led to this surprise diagnosis for you? You know, I was wearing Dollar Tree glasses, you know, the 1.25s for a little while. (laughs) And I thought, okay, you know, it's just a little bit. I just need to read a little closer. And, you know, so I was wearing all these 1.25s or 1.50s. And that worked for a little while. But eventually, I said, I have to go to the eye doctor. Let me double check this. Let me get myself together. And when I did, it was quite a quite a shock. <laughs> but for the most part, my right eye was my good eye, my 2020 eye. Can you imagine? So I got checked. Yeah, I went to the eye doctor, I got checked, and you know, just a regular eye exam, and they took a picture of my eye, which I didn't know that even existed. <laughs> so that was good. And 
they immediately, you know, he sent me to a retina doctor because he said he saw something and not to get alarmed. And of course I wasn't. But, you know, when I went to the second doctor, he did tell me that I need for you to go to Nashville, Birmingham. And I thought, okay, okay. So that's how my journey began. <laughs> okay. So you basically had just some, some kind of gradual vision changes that eventually led to, led you to the eye doctor and the eye doctor was able to do some tests, thankfully, which is good. Um, yeah. I'm glad they didn't blow you off. And so <laughs> they did these not. tests and then they sent you to a specialist. Is that right? Right. So I went to an oncologist, you know, first I read in a doctor and then he immediately, the next day, he set an appointment in Nashville and I went and I went to a series of tests, obviously. And, mm-hmm. and then it was told to me that, you know, you have carotid melanoma. And I thought, what? I was like, wait, what? What is that? Because I didn't know what it was, never knew about it. And that's when, of course, I got Google crazy and had to, you know, it says not to do that. But, you know, I went everywhere and kind of was like, oh, my goodness, let me look. Let me see what's going on. Overload of information, obviously. But it it, it was quite, it's, my journey is so amazing, I have to admit. It's so amazing. So can you talk to me about with the choroidal melanoma, do you remember where it was located and what treatment options that your doctor offered? Definitely. What? So I look back. Let me come back to the beginning, when I, the reason why I went to the doctor. I can look back now and notice that I had flashes. And I was like, you know, just blinking, blinking. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I looked at the light too long or my computer too long because, you know, we stay on the computer pretty long. And, you know, I was trying to blink, blink, look 20 feet, you know, blink, blink again, but that wasn't working. So I didn't know what that was. That's why I went to get checked. But when I went to Nashville, of course, I had so many tests being done and they landed up telling me that it was in the back of my eye, in a clear middle of my vision. So that uh, was a big concern because, you know, you can, of course, with eye, we know that we can become blind. So it was, it was a small, a small tumor. And I was told whether or not to either, you know, we can, it was during the holidays, you know, it was December, 2019. Yeah, December's so, already an emotional time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, um, he said, you know, wait a little while. If you, you know, think about it, it was after the new year. And I said, okay, once he told me what it was, we have an options and those are the brachytherapy. If I said that correctly. Yeah, brachytherapy, brachytherapy. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I said immediately, as soon as he told me, I was like, okay, what's next? Because uh, we've got to ha- take it, get a handle on this. I have to definitely know what my way ahead is because it's not gonna, it's not gonna take me down. I got this. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I went through a series of tests. Obviously, we know that, and immediately I was scheduled in March. Of, of 2020 and you know you remember pandemic <laughs> and I remember landing in I was away I had to go my first thing was I have to see my new grandbaby so me and my husband flew to Arizona and uh, <laughs> so the new grandbaby I know right <laughs> I know come visit come hang out uh, so hot so hot <laughs> oh yeah that's true it is um so you went to visit your new grandbaby um, before your treatment Exactly. Okay. A few days in and, uh, and I was set for surgery and I landed in Nashville. It's a hot mess. When I say a hot mess, a hot mess. It was a tornado in Nashville when I landed. So oh my I thought my surgery wasn't going to happen, but 
it happened and it was okay. There was damage in Nashville, but the surgery was, you know, it went well. Okay. So you had a smaller tumor. It was in the back of your eye. I guess from what I'm recalling from the biology of the eye, the myopa is the field of vision in the very, very back of your eye. And so it must've been close to the myopa and the optic nerve is what I'm guessing. The optic Um, nerve. Absolutely. Yeah. So right back there, but it was small enough and they treated it with plaque. Do you remember what was your experience like just in Nashville where you were treated? Did you have to stay in a hotel or did you stay in the hospital? Well, you know, when we when we got there, we actually stayed overnight, and then the next day I had the surgery early in the morning, and it was, I can't believe the technology they have. I am amazed by it. And so, you know, of course, it's a gold, you know, kind of plaque, and then they put the beam, you know, the radiation in it, and I'm telling you, I was amazed. I am still amazed of technology that's actually out here for this kind of cancer. And it's in the back of my eyeball. So, you know, of course, I was like, how are you going to do that? Like, you're going to turn it around and... and Yes, it was incredible. So I had it on for three days and I had to go back to get it surgically removed. And of course, the only thing you think about when they're taking off your bandages is who am I going to see first? Because I know I have to see somebody regardless of the lights and the orange colors. I need to see somebody making sure that my sight is there because they'll tell you, you know, you may lose your sight. There's so many things that may come as you're trying to fix this tumor and trying to shrink it. Something else, you can lose your sight. So it's a chance we all take, you know, whoever's done it. Mm -hmm. It's a chance you take, but you don't want that tumor around because it can metastasize. So my biggest thing is, regardless of how this turns out, I have to get this tumor under control. I'm not waiting for it to grow. I'm not waiting for it to spread. Let's take care of this. Okay, well, so after you had treatment and you had the plaque taken out, were you able to retain vision? And it was your right eye that was treated, right? It was my right eye. Okay, right eye buddies. (laughs) Um, so I think from what I'm remembering in your story you have continued to maintain sight right yes well I'm half blind in my right eye right now (laughs) okay now it's half blind okay yeah so what happened was after the surgery I went through a, a series of struggles I didn't know what my eye wanted to do that's why I just named her you know my right eye mama because she didn't know where she was going she was just there and I'm like okay so I can see out my left eye, but she had a little bit of issues, you know, something where, you know, glasses could fix. But my right eye, she was going every which way, you know, everywhere. So I, I went through double vision, blur vision. I was trying to get glasses. I went through four prescriptions of different kind of glasses just to see if I can even drive, you know. So that was a big deal for me, obviously, you know, always on the go working and trying to just maintain so yeah, it was a, it was a series of glasses and trying to see straight and the rain <laughs> and the, oh my goodness, the, the rain is hard. <laughs> and you have a lot more weather to deal with in Alabama than I do. Like, Alabama, I mean, we get yeah. we get weather in Arizona, but like not as bad and not as not as up and down <laughs> in some ways. So you had a lot of adjustments just in the last. I guess it hasn't even been a full three years. It's been basically two years mm-hmm. since you had your treatment. Mm-hmm. And you've had a lot of vision adjustments to deal with, which that can be super stressful, as all of us know, whether you're adjusting to a single eye, so monovision because you lost sight, or you had your eye enucleated, or you lose vision on some degree, like, and it changes and it goes up and down like this, like that can be super disorienting. So I'm glad that hopefully it's, it's settled out a little bit for you right now is kind of what it sounds like for today, at least. So after you were diagnosed, you said your tumor was pretty small. Did you, during the treatment, were you given the option to do a biopsy? And if so, are you comfortable sharing those results? 
Yeah, so they did take a biopsy and definitely was cancer. And I know the cancer is a little different than what they say as a stage one, stage four. I believe it was a stage mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Okay. So, so there, it's usually class one A, prime exactly. positive or negative, class one B, prime positive or negative, and then you've got class two, which are almost always prime positive, but occasionally you have a, you have a prime negative in there for class two. It's a little weird. So you so, were saying yeah. yours was a class one. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it was. Okay. So it's on the lower risk category. I think if you're prime positive, it might be up a tiny, tiny bit, but it's still much, much lower risk than if you were a class two, which is great. With the class one diagnosis, were you able to follow up then with a medical oncologist to have scans done, like for watching your liver and your lungs? Oh, yes. You know, I've had PET scans, CT scans. I have one coming up. Um, My doctor, my oncologist said, no matter what, for the rest of my life, this is what I need to do. Go every year. And then, of course, you know, at this point, I'm taking Alia injections. And I've been doing that since the fall of last year. And mm-hmm. I'm going every month. So this is the thing. I am half blind right now in my right eye. I have a, a vast shadow over it. So I can't see, like, I can only see, like, people's waist down, if that. I cannot see. Every time they tell me, come on, what letters do you see? When I go for my eye exam, I'm like, I see nothing. <laughs> you don't see my fingers? Mm-mm. Nope. <laughs> So, <laughs> oh, there's so a lot I'm of adjusting working. with the scans and the eye appointments and all of those things. Absolutely. So at this point, that's where I'm standing at. You know, I wear glasses for a distance, and you know, I, I we had uh, I land up having onset cataract immediately. So I had cataract surgery, and I had laser therapy. I'm telling you, I'm so surprised that my eyeball is still in my head. Because it took a beating. This poor girl went through so much and she's still rocking and rolling with me. (laughs) Well, I think that's a really good way to think of it. And I love that you kind of have personified your eye, like in some way to kind of just like, hey, like, let's be, let's be on this journey together. Um, Because I think, I think sometimes, I think sometimes for patients, it can start to feel like your eye is somehow your enemy. And Really, you know, it's a part of us. And if, you know, whether we lose it because of a nucleation or whether we keep it after treatment and we're dealing with all of the roller coaster of things that come with post-treatment, I think that if we can just kind of get to that place where we can embrace our whole selves, including, you know, whatever aspect of our eye has changed, then I think that that can be really empowering. So I I love seeing that you've done that because uh, it shows in the way that you talk. Talk to me a little bit about... I guess just your general reaction to getting diagnosed with this cancer to begin with. I know like when you wrote in your story, you were extremely confused because the doctor told you this is something you get if you have blue eyes or green eyes, like not really brown eyes. So how did you cope with, I guess, being one of the minorities in the minority? Like we're already a minority and having this cancer to begin with. I was in shock. I have to say, like I said, I've never even knew that you could even have eye cancer. I'm like, what? Eye cancer? I didn't even know cancer could go that far. It's not the ignorance of it. It's just that I've never known anyone to have it. So, mm-hmm. you know, as you go through it, it's you're learning that it is out there. And I didn't, I didn't know anyone. And so that was a lonely journey because, I, you know, you always want to compare stories. Oh, well, how did your eye go? And where are you at? you know, you both kind of recognize what you're going through, but I didn't have that option. I didn't have no one really to talk to, but my doctor and my nurse, you know, the nurses. And let me tell you, they were fabulous. They always are. 
because you kind of like become family with them because you see them more than you see your family because all the appointments, you know, and yeah, the drive. Sure. But we'll talk about that one later, <laughs> the drive. But for the most part, so I did a lot of a lot of researching, as I tell you, not to overload on Google search and trying not to, but you have to because you have to have a better understanding because at the end of the day, your choices. I wanted to see my options. Yeah. So what would be maybe if you were talking to someone in your position who is really surprised by this diagnosis, whether they have blue eyes, brown eyes, green eyes, like whether they're, you know, wherever they are, if they're just really surprised and they're feeling that inclination to want to educate themselves, but also just kind of feeling the anxiety and the what ifs, what would be maybe something that you would say to that person to help them just to cope or just to know that like, you know, they can get through that phase because that phase can feel so overwhelming and draining at like at the very beginning. Absolutely. My thing is don't panic. Try your best. You know, my daughter, she's in the medical field. She's like, mom, make sure you have a, a list of questions for your doctor. Know what you're going to be faced with. You know, my doctor was a matter of fact. He wasn't giving me rainbows and stars. He said, this is what you have. This could happen if you don't do this. If you choose to do, you know, the brachytherapy, this is what could happen. So understand that no one wants to give you a rainbow and a story. I want to know what I'm dealing with. Make sure you get your questions answered and that you move forward because the real story is you're going to go through it. No one else is. Know what your options are because at the end of the day, it is your choice. It is your choice whether or not you want to take brachytherapy, if you want to take the laser therapy. Whatever you choose to do, it's going to be your choice. But you need to know what's the good and the bad that's coming with it. Because, you know, no matter what decisions we make, whether we keep our eyes, whether the tumor grows, whether it stops growing, for the rest of our lives, our lives have changed forever. No, I think that's such a good point. And I love that you shared like just about advocating for yourself and owning your journey because that's so important. So you've mentioned a couple of the things that have been challenging for you. Like you mentioned all of the vision kind of roller coasters. What are you dealing with, I guess, today that you are kind of in the midst of overcoming these days? Uh, (laughs) Well, let me just share with you, because even though, you know, you know, as you see, my eye, my glasses are off because close distance, I can see closer with my glasses. I I, it's for distance, but it's a hot mess because I could bump into a wall. I could. My perception is way off and. If I'm grabbing something, you know, those are the things that I'm dealing with. And, you know, after being, you know, we're all independent mommies, you know, we're doing our things, women, wives, mothers, we're trying to just keep it steady. And even though in my back of my head, as I was going through all of this, I was like, okay, now I'm going to go back to my normal. It's going to happen. Um, you know, I'm going to drive. I'm going to do my thing. No, it did not happen. <laughs> like I say, a hot mess. It was a hot mess. What I had to do is learn my new norm. And my new norm is you need to watch where you're walking, girl. Make sure you don't fall. Hold on to rails. <laughs> don't bump into the, you know, the side of the walls. No, you have to take that extra step while you're driving. Perception. Park your car. Look around. You may have to park at the end of the parking lot so that you don't hit nobody else. So, or hit, you know, a, a car or something to that effect. But that's the norm. So I have to make sure that. You know, even though I'm struggling with it, it doesn't make me angry because this is what I have to accept. I just have to deal with it. And, you know, I laugh a lot about things because it's hilarious <laughs> to me. If I don't laugh, I'm, I'm going to cry and fall apart. And it's OK. It's OK. But not all the time. <laughs> 
Well, I love that. I think that's that's a really good perspective to have and to keep is just to keep that like keep the things light that can be light and also just keep learning Absolutely. as you go because because it really is kind of an adjustment to whatever expectations have changed, you know, whether it's just that you thought you were going to have vision and then suddenly you don't have any vision or you have partial vision or your vision changes all the time. So I love hearing how you've adjusted to that and how you <laughs> just kind of like allow yourself to roll with it. Would you say that you have any I guess for scans, for any nerves that you might have come up when you have appointments for your eye, do you have any kind of coping techniques that you use, like anything that is maybe a stress reliever for you that you prefer or kind of like fall back on now that you've been doing this a few times? Well, you know, driving to Nashville, I have to say, I thank God that I chose Nashville because the drive is relaxing. Every month, thank God my husband, it was taking me, you know, we had to just kind of work our schedules where we both are able to get off to drive and you know he would drive me to the doctors and we would have that sober moment you know so spiritually I do highly spiritual I believe in prayer I believe in staying positive as we get in the car the anxiety for me <laughs> it jumps <laughs> yeah. I'm like okay here we go what's gonna happen when I get there you know it's not all about the you know, I'm trying to anticipate what, what they might find. The tomb is active again. Oh, my God, the pressure in my eye, because that's a big thing. With the pressure in the eye, that could rip my retina. I'm going to go blind. So, you know, 101 things run through my head, but I take that drive. <laughs> it's smooth sailing, and I just, I pray. I pray. That's my peace, and so my pray. Because if I don't, I'll be a hot mess. <laughs> Well, I love that. I think that it's just so important to find find the things that you can do consistently to kind of fall back on to protect your peace, so to speak, because it can Absolutely. be so easy to let that anxiety kind of build too much. And if it builds too much, then our ability to function goes down. So I think that it's great Absolutely. to have um, to have ways that you kind of like routines almost that you fall back on to help you cope. Okay, so you mentioned your husband. I know you've mentioned at least one daughter in our conversations. Um, and you have a grandbaby. So how has this kind of affected your family relationships and the way that you view important relationships in your life? Well, you know, so this is another thing that I never take for granted is sharing my diagnosis with my family. I'm not hiding nothing from my kids. I have three grown children. I have, we have seven grandchildren. And our family is big. So you know what? I let them know what's going on on a daily because... I'm not going to lie to my children and, you know, paint roses and, and, you know, gardens because this is the reality of it. And they're grown. They understand. Like I say, even the grandbabies chip in and be like, well, you want your glasses? <laughs> Can you see where <laughs> I love it? You know, so they have been the most supportive family that you can ever have because, you know, quick text, you know, hey, mom, how you doing? I love that. And I'm doing fine. My kids know that I'll rock and roll at any time. They know. So, you know, just be real. Don't fake it with your family. Tell your family what's going on. Let them know how you feel, what you're going through, because they need to know. Sometimes, you know, just that I got you makes such a difference. A text makes such a difference. Because remember, when I had it, I was actually, during the pandemic, I wasn't around nobody, you know, so... People yeah. would text me, family, you know, that meant so much. I think that makes a difference with the family, you know, to, or friends, anybody. No, I think so. that's such a good point. 
So I guess just based on kind of the way that you talked about it, it's safe to say that you value those relationships maybe a little higher than than before, or they just have they t- taken on like a new meaning almost. It's like a taken meaning, on, I think, a deeper meaning because it's what it is. You yeah. know, it's my everyday, and you know they love mommy, <laughs> they love abuela, and they're like, okay, it's okay, we got you. So. But, you know, you enjoy every day. I laugh through the storms. I will dance through the storms at any time. And they know it. So Yeah, I love that. I wanted to just ask you, as far as your family or maybe other people in your space who have brown eyes or who are from, I think you mentioned, like the Latina community, the African-American community, what would you say as far as awareness for this cancer goes to that community of people? Would you treat your eyes any differently had you known that this was a possibility for you? Well, this is my thing because, you know, here we are as women, parents, and I'm not just going to say women, but okay, I'm going to say all women, most women, especially mommies and daddies that are, you know, single dads, we take care of everybody else in the world and we do not take care of ourselves. And I tell people this is about self-care. We have to take account of us. If you see something funny in your eye, go to the doctor, get your eyes checked, get the picture because that's what I did. I got the picture. And I was like, you know, always have that opportunity to take care of yourself. Because if you do not take care of yourself, you can't take care of anyone else. And those little ones depend on you all the time. You know, be a little selfish. Hey, my eyes are squiggly. I'm seeing flashes. I need to go to the doctor. Can you stay with my babies while I go to the doctor? (laughs) Yes, you can. And those are the things we have to self-care 100%, especially during this pandemic as well. You know, we take too much for granted our health without it we will not be able to take care of no one else. So that's important. So that goes with the Latinas, the African-Americans. It goes with anybody. Get your eyes. Don't take that for granted. It's so important. No, so it so is. And that is definitely one of the things that we talk about a lot um, on our social media and just in the way that we campaign for awareness with the Kieran site. We want everybody sharing, telling their story, really, ideally, so that we get more awareness out there. So I love that you were willing to share your story and share your journey. And I'm so glad that it's continued, you know, the way that it has so far. And I know you're coming up on two years and your scans. So I'm sure with the anxiety of that, that that can can feel a little funky sometimes. (laughs) Absolutely. But... We are definitely like rooting for you and hoping that things turn out well uh, for the rest of this year and moving forward. Do you have anything, I guess, maybe to kind of close this out that you would would want to share with our audience, with your family or just, you know, (laughs) anyone else that you just want to just say something to? Well, you know, I am trying to come together and do a walk down in Big Spring Park in Huntsville, Alabama, and we're working on that. For the ocular melanoma, of course, we're doing donations all to a cure in sight. I will definitely let everyone know moving forward how that would work, but I'm trying my best to get that started for the first time in Huntsville, that Alabama, that anybody would know, or even have a walk for ocular melanoma. So we're hoping and praying that works out well, you know, so moving forward. And I'm also going to try to get with eye doctors to see if we could do a free screening for the communities that are not able to go out there and get their eyes checked. So those are my goals moving forward and to just be. Use my platform at this moment to share my story because I'm okay with sharing my story because guess what? I can't sit back and say, oh, why did it happen to me? Mm-mm. Why, why it could happen to me? Why am I special? I'm not special. It could happen to anybody. So why not? So moving forward, I'm going to use my platform for that. No, I love that. And I think that we kind of talked about this 
on the phone a little bit, but just this idea of using what has happened to you to do something, like do something with it and share yes, whether absolutely. it's whether we even, even if all it is, if you feel like making an impact is to share with five people, then I say do it. If you feel like making an absolutely. impact is to go and host a walk and do a 5K or a fundraiser or whatever it is that you feel like you want to do for awareness, then go do that. Because I think that if we can find purpose in what we're going through, it makes it just that much more doable to like be in it, right? And to be surrounded by people who are supporting us along the way. So I applaud you for that, Yvonne, for getting to that space so quickly. And also for just having that strong desire to get this out in the world and talk about it in your community. So I really hope that goes well. And we would love to help you in any ways that we can with, you know, resources, linking you you up with people. Okay, I have a pop quiz question. Not really a quiz. Uh, Pop question. (laughs) This is the last question. I know that you mentioned you are very spiritual, but I just wanted to ask, do you have maybe a a Bible verse, uh, an affirmation or a favorite song that you would love to share? Like just kind of that you kind of fall back on, I guess. Well, (laughs) I know I just opened Um, a can of worms. I can tell. Yeah, yeah. It can be a bunch of stuff, but my main thing is, you know, we love music, salsa merengue, we love music. So I just say that the biggest song that I know my family enjoys too is Mark Anthony's. Vive la vida, which means like live your life. And if you actually translate it in English, if anybody was to really listen to that music, you'll dance anyway. You're going to dance. Put it on for the babies. They will dance. (laughs) But it's saying live your life and enjoy every moment of it because you know what? We only have one. So let's make the best. One eye, no eye, two eyes, one eye. We're okay. We can do this. Awesome. I love that. Such a good song. And Yvonne, if you have a version of that song, I guess, that you prefer from maybe YouTube, I will put that in the show notes for the podcast so that people can go and listen to that and add it to their playlist. Okay, well, I don't have any other major questions for you, but I just want to thank you again for being here. Um, Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. (laughs) And for your vulnerability and for everything that you're doing just to be open with your story and, and just help us in raising awareness for ocular melanoma and for all the patients like you, like me, we couldn't do it without you. Thank you so much for joining us today on the I Believe podcast, brought to you by Castle Biosciences and produced by Agora Media. Please be sure to subscribe, and if you're so inclined, send this episode over to friends, family, and share on your social media to help spread awareness around OM. If you have a moment, leave us a brief review or consider making a donation to the links in the show notes to keep our podcast going. Feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Insight. We'll see you next time on the I Believe podcast.